HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This week on Meat and 3, we're spotlighting the people who prepare our meat before it reaches our plates. We hear from whole animal butchers, the brains behind a meat vending machine, California cattle ranchers, and a master of charcuterie who isn't using meat at all. It's like a smoked and grilled uh, center stock of the broccoli, and then it gets uh, finished with some mustard barbecue sauce and sauerkraut. Ranching and farming being as difficult as it is, you know, it's just one thing after another. And at some point, you just give up. I had a wild idea that if I learned butchery, maybe I could start to be kind of a link in the supply chain. Listen to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. Uh, we've had a few tough times this year, but uh, I, can imagine, I can't imagine opening up a new business, let alone a creamery. Well, today on our show, we're going to find out just how that works. Uh, please let me introduce to you Veronica Pedraza, head cheesemaker of Blakesville Creamery and repeat offender of Cutting the Curd. Veronica, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, you know, good. Just uh, chilling out in the city and... Uh... <laughs> Getting used to life as it is, as you know. Um, so tell us about everything. Like, I can't believe you started a creamery in the middle of a pandemic. Um, when did you first start planning this creamery? Well, I was going to say, uh, it wasn't like we chose this time <laughs> to start a business. This has been um, in the works for about three years. Um, it was a pretty long and exhausting process. Um, you you weren't trying to line it up with COVID. You didn't you didn't want to <laughs> have it just arrive at that exact moment. Um. No, we we started construction um, last July actually, and um, it was we were scheduled to sort of be complete and um, up and running the first week of April. Um, 
yeah. So, you know, it was both a blessing in disguise and a little bit of a, a curse as well. Um, but how did how did you find uh, Blake's little Kermit? Like, how did you how did it like? Where was it like that the the idea was born? Like, you were working in Chicago, and then somebody introduced you or you were looking for um, an area to start this or? Um, it was actually shortly after I left Meadowood Farms. Um, I went actually to ACS in Denver and, you know, it was interesting to sort of be at ACS and not, you know, be in the competition um, to sort of just not be a cheesemaker at ACS, but to sort of be a casual bystander. And um, I was sitting down at the uh, Vermont Cheese Council breakfast, and Andy Hatch sat next to me. Um, And we just started talking, and, you know, he was asking me what I was planning on doing with my life. (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> and I said, you know, that I didn't really know, but, um, you know, cheese was always in the future. And he said, well, I know these people that have a goat farm. And he was like, do you want me to connect you? And I was like, sure. And like most things that happen like that, I didn't really pay very much mind. And I didn't really think it would lead anywhere. Um, <laughs> nice. Had you worked with goats before or was it only cow's milk you were? you were working with before um I've actually worked with all three milks but ah, okay Meadowood we had um sheep's milk um at Jasper Hill cow's milk obviously but my uh my first foray into cheesemaking was at, as an apprentice at uh, Sweetgrass Dairy in Thomasville Georgia and this will you know be kind of a blast for the past but uh they had goats at one time. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so I did. I made goat cheese actually um, as an apprentice cheesemaker, you know, 13 years ago. Wow. I uh, just because it was fascinating. Like in my mind, I was like, she didn't just start a huge creamery with 900 goats and not know <laughs> how. I can't imagine uh, like learning, Hey, how do I milk a goat? No. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you, Andy Hatch leads you into this awesome situation where you, you deep dive into um, the situation, which is it's located in Wisconsin towards the Eastern side, if, Eastern South side. If, I don't we know. Are in Port Washington, Wisconsin, which is about 30 minutes North of Milwaukee. Um, our farm is actually right on Lake Michigan. Um, okay is that very cold I'm, I would imagine yes uh I mean no <laughs> okay. oh, oh okay. having lived in uh, Vermont and upstate New York um I'm gonna say that Wisconsin winters are a little bit light oh. but I may be offending some people no good good to know so the terroir is um gra- very grassy I mean you tell me how it how it is Grassy? Um. <laughs> wow, you know what I'm saying, Veronica. I, I'm trying to get a picture of Blakesville Creamery right now oh, in my well, mind. Um, well, you know, Wisconsin is definitely flatter than Vermont or upstate New York, um, but there are parts um, 
you know, that are, uh, that the glaciers didn't touch. However, um, we're not near there. So it is, uh, I would say some rolling hills, maybe, um, very green and, you know, lots of, lots of water. Okay. Okay. Um, and so you're setting this up and all of a sudden now we're in this situation that has thrown us all completely off what we know. Um, what were the first few things that you saw change right away that, um, you were like, oh, this is a different obstacle that I didn't expect. Well, I think initially we had um, a product line in mind that uh, we sort of quickly reconfigured. Um, I'm doing some things that I didn't want to be doing and I didn't think I'd be doing, um, but are like a necessity. And actually, you know, I'm kind of having fun with it. Oh, that's cool. So, so like, what is, what is it exactly that like, which cheese or should it, or we're, I guess we're, it's a I cheese mean, recipe. A lot, of, uh, a lot of fresh chev, you know, um, the first thing that I saw happen with COVID was that, you know, soft cheese, that market just took a nosedive. And that is kind of, I think my specialty, what I'm good at. Um, that's what I was planning on doing a lot of. And, you know, fresh chev is certainly, you know, a soft cheese, but it's, um, you know, got a different kind of market. Um, and we've had really good reception to ours. So, you know, it's been, it's been kind of nice. I'm also making some like cheese for, um, I wouldn't say like hard cheese, but um, some more aged stuff that'll hopefully ride ride this COVID wave with me. <laughs> awesome. Maybe it'll have an awesome nickname as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can beat a lazy lady at, uh, you know, her name skills. Um, um, I'll never <laughs> lazy lady at, at naming cheeses. She is. Oh, she, I don't know. I feel like you could do it though. <laughs> um, but um, any, anyway, so, um, so you have these cheeses and they're, they're expected to come out in the spring of 2021 or is it sooner actually it would be sooner than that probably i guess that's too far actually um they're scheduled to come out like next month um we've got product that's uh going to sort of more local markets right now we're getting ready for some uh distribution a little bit here in the fourth quarter (laughs) Um, oh no that's, that's amazing you know we are i am making some soft cheese some soft ripened stuff um but definitely you know we kind of I wasn't planning on making some you know more aged cheese I wasn't planning on making fresh chev um you know I wanted to turn this into a little robiola factory to be honest with you Mm -hmm. Um, well and and how did it work with your cheese making team because I I assume it's not just you making all this cheese um, how did, how did that work as well with the, the other cheese making people there? Well, I am currently, I just have one person assisting me in the creamery, okay. helping me with cleaning and some affinage and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we don't, uh, we don't, we have 1200 goats on the farm right now. And, uh, we don't, we were a commercial dairy before this venture began and we have a, a contract with another milk producer um, or cheese producer, I should say here in Wisconsin. 
And so I'm not uh, required to use 100% of our production right now, which is, that's been really nice, not having to make cheese every <laughs> every day. Um, yeah, that's a great buffer. I didn't even realize there was such a contract that could exist like that. I figured you had the herd, you were responsible to buy that milk, and, and that was all you had, that was it. <laughs> you know, it was like a verbal or... Uh, actually a contractual agreement. I didn't realize there was such flexibility. Um, typically there isn't. Uh, we are sort of in a very fortunate position though. Um, and I was definitely worried about uh, sort of that relationship when COVID hit as well. Um, you know, we did, we had been planning this. So the, the goat dairy has been here for about 10 years now. It was originally a cow dairy, um, and it got converted to goats. Um, but we've been planning for this creamery for three years, so we did sort of um, plan for an increase in milk production to coincide with um, the launching of the creamery. And uh, that got a little hectic for a while, um, just because we had all this excess milk that we couldn't mm-hmm. actually process. Um, oh, I see. So that's kind of to to make up for that extra milk. You started making the the fresh cheese, then the fresh chev. Is that? I guess that was the strategy. Is is that how you handled bit. it? We just sort of allocated our milk in a different way for fresh chev. Um, but you know, our goal is to use maybe like a third of our milk production this year, um, and incrementally scale that up, and you know, maybe depending on where the market goes and what happens with the economy. Um, you know, we'd like to be able to produce, use 100% of our milk in three years. Okay, I see. That makes sense. Um, so did the pandemic um, in any way um, cause you to spend more money at all? Was there was a moment that you had to spend more money? Um, a little bit. Uh, sort of the biggest thing that happened for us was that um, when Wisconsin put the stay-at-home order in place, uh, the Department of Agriculture um, suspended inspections and licensing for new plants. So at the end of March, um, basically, I got notification that they were not going to come and do an inspection of our plant um, until that order was lifted. Um, which it wasn't lifted until the end of May. Um, oh, wow. And then there was basically a backlog of all the existing plants that had, you know, missed their inspections. So we didn't actually get our license until the first week of July. Whoa. Um, so then was there any um, help from the government? That or the state to help you <laughs> with all this time that you lost because there was no inspection? Uh, absolutely not. I, I take that chuckle as a big no, but uh, yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, mean, was there was there any any help? I don't think the government's doing much for anybody, but particularly dairy farmers or cheesemakers. Interesting. Well, I mean, you know, Wisconsin has a strong dairy economy, so I thought, I mean, they they would have something out there. Um, but I guess not. Um, I mean, are you, a couple of things that, (laughs) that, uh, 
I don't know. I feel like I ended up spending money and or spending a lot of money with the Department of Agriculture, but I won't, you know, go on record. Um, gotcha. Yeah, that's that's okay. That's fair. I lo- they're they're great people. They're just doing their jobs too. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I understand. It's it's like due process stuff. Um, so, but now you you're kind of. It sounds like you're coming around the bend. I feel like there's been sort of a. Do you feel like uh, you're kind of back on track now? I think that we're on track um, as best we can be. I mean, the difficult thing to assess right now is that, you know, we start, we're starting at zero. So everything is growth right now. So everything looks good, <laughs> good in that you're regard. You're up a thousand percent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's whether or not we can sustain this long term. And I think that has a lot to do with, um, you know, just sort of the outcome of the election, I think will have some impact on, on the dairy business and the cheese making business. And, um, you know, whether or not we end up in a long term economic depression, um, but it's too early to say. Yes. And on that very light note, I'm, I'm going to take a, a, a quick, a quick break for a commercial right here. Uh, I have Veronica Pedraza on uh, on air with us. Uh, this is Cutting the Curd, and I'm Kara Warren, and we'll be right back. of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same, Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is Cutting the Curd with Kara Warren. I have Veronica Pedraza on air with uh, Blakesville Creamery, the new one in Wisconsin that I'm excited to be learning about. Uh, she survived a pandemic in terms of starting a creamery and 
dealing with the all the different government things that you need to deal with, plus making cheese. So um, now I'm kind of interested to hear how how is it making goat cheese in terms of um, you, you say the business is growing for you. Um, what what else besides? So you have aged cheese you're going to be doing. You have the fresh cheese you're doing. Um, is there a wash rind in there as well? Uh, for sure. Um, we've got two little soft ripen cheeses um, that are sort of in the works right now. Um, one is called Blake Breeze. Um, it's a small little um, geo ripened, like I wouldn't say croton, but um, it's about five ounces. And um, then we have another cheese called Afterglow, um, which is sort of like a variation on the Lake Breeze, but we wash it with uh, Nuglaris, uh, Nuglaris Brewing's Belgian Red, um, which is a like cherry beer made with um, cherries from Door County. Oh my God, I can't wait for that. I can't believe you're doing that. First of all, um, listeners, uh, Nuglaris, am I saying that right, is uh, only, it's a beer only you can buy in Wisconsin. Am I correct about that? You're 100% correct. And I, um, I love that. <laughs> their fruit beers are pretty um, coveted, um, but uh, I, uh, I've always wanted to do something with, with their beer and cheese. Um, so I started, started washing it with that, and it gives it a really nice um, – you can actually taste the beer um, in the cheese. It's super fruity. Um, Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be fabulous because also Dora County, as uh, as I once visited, is known for its cherry producing produce, production. Um, so that's going to be amazing. Um, and, and does it have? You said it has a reddish kind of tint to the cheese as well. Uh, it uh, is a little. The cheese ends up being like sort of a little peachy um, colored, which is really the, sort of where the. Uh, the name Afterglow is coming from. It's got a little color on it. Cool. No, no, that's I'm that's going to be. Uh, so, where can people in the future buy your cheese? In the future? <laughs> well, or now? Sorry, um, pardon me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I'd love to tell you where in the future we're going to be. Um, it may come as a surprise to some people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Okay, you know um, what? Well, well right oh, if you want, shout out a few places. <laughs> you can find us um, in Chicago and in Milwaukee. Um, I'll give a shout out to All Together Now. Um, the Beautiful Rind is another great spot. Uh, Daisy's Market, Olivia's, Local Foods. Um, we're on a bunch of restaurant menus right now. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. I just want a, just a few places so we can spread the love, you know? Um, so, um, I guess a follow-up question now, um, have, have you always been a head cheese, cheese maker or is this, this is the first time you've been a head cheese maker? Cause I want to know what does it mean to you to be a head cheese maker? Uh, I've been a head cheese maker for quite some time now. Um, I spent five years as a head cheese maker <laughs> at Meadowood Farms. Um, and prior to that, I worked at Jasper Hill. Um, sort of, sort of as their creamery manager, head cheese maker as well. Um, head cheese is the big cheese. Um, here I do literally everything. Um, so 
I make, <laughs> I make cheese, but I also, um, you know, clean everything, uh, take care of affinage. Uh, I pack all of our orders. Um, I even deliver all of our orders right now. Um, you're a Renaissance woman then you're, you're doing it all. I'm juggling it all. Hopefully not for, you know, very long, but, um, for me, you know, being head cheesemaker means, you know, all the ins and outs of the business. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's spot on. Um, and I guess then I wanted to see is, do you have any words of advice for other women who are looking to be cheesemakers or, or are there any specific resources they should look to, um, for the listeners who might be female cheesemakers out there? Um, there are not a lot of resources for cheesemakers in this country. Um, <laughs> um, the University of Wisconsin Center for Dairy Research has some great um, classes uh, for people that I think are sort of aspiring to be cheesemakers. Um, do you mean people that want to be cheesemakers or people that are cheesemakers? Oh, um, I think there's a bit of both that might listen to the program. So, um, and I guess out of my own curiosity, I was wondering if there was anything uh, female focused, just because it, I don't, I'm not sure, especially in Wisconsin, just by looking at, I guess, photos of people online, it seems to be <laughs> mostly men that make cheese in Wisconsin. And I was wondering if there was sort of a program or an educational resource, uh, out there. Uh, but that was just my curiosity bringing me there. There's nothing specifically geared towards women. Uh, I think that there, I know that there's definitively one master cheesemaker uh, in Wisconsin who is a woman. Um, her name is Pam and she works for Sartori. Um, there might be another one, but I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Well, no, that's that's pretty interesting. And and have you met Pam? Have you are you guys um, yeah, I'm aware of each other? Culture cheese event in Los Angeles a few years ago, um, and I've, it was just exciting. Uh, Master cheesemaker is another level of cheese making in Wisconsin. You have to have so many years of um, like making a certain style of cheese, um, and then there's a bunch of coursework and tests that go with it so it's um it's not something that you just it's different from being a licensed cheesemaker in wisconsin i see and would you one day hope to be um you know this a level of cheese making a master cheese ma i'm like almost afraid to say it yes a master cheesemaker um sure i mean that sounds great i don't know that the styles of cheese that i make um would allow me to be a master cheesemaker. Most of the coursework, I think, in Wisconsin is geared towards like cheddar and Swiss and sort of more of your um, commodity products and your more, um, you know, your bigger markets for things. Um, yeah, totally. I, w I just wasn't sure, like, because it, it's such a prestigious title, master cheesemaker. Um, I just was like, I, in my mind, I was like, well, Veronica, you could be a master cheesemaker. <laughs> Maybe in twenty years, um, I, I will. I will interview you in twenty years if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> they have to add, uh, you know, products made by goat's milk. Um, oh my sure. god! Wait a second. I need to research this better. Is there not 
Is that not in there? Is goat's milk not like in the master cheesemaker? Oh my goodness. Uh, not, not to my knowledge. Uh, like I said, it's mostly like, I think you've got cheddar, you've got Colby, you've got Swiss sort of like your, and there might be some like Italian style cheeses in there. Um, but you become a master in a specific discipline, like cheddar or Swiss or whatever. I mean, you can, there are, um, cheesemakers that hold multiple titles, um, for different types of cheese. I need to but research this more. It's a very interesting subject that I don't know enough about. Um, but it, it does. Might oh. be why there aren't a lot of women master cheesemakers in Wisconsin, though, because, um, you know, I think there are quite a few women cheesemakers in Wisconsin, but most of them are working with small ruminant animals, um, either sheep or goats. So it makes sense. Um, It kind of brings me to what I was going to ask you, which is why is Blakesville Creamery different than other cheesemakers in Wisconsin? Um, I think the fact that you're making goat's milk cheeses is a very big distinguishing factor. Um, Well, there's definitely some, uh, there's LeClaire farms here, which um, they have lots of, a lot more goats than we do. Um, and they do make a lot of goat cheese. Um, I would say that the thing that differentiates us in Wisconsin is that we're, we are focused on making soft ripened cheese. Um, and I would say more, I think on my certificate, it lists that I make French style cheeses. Um, (laughs) so, you know, I I did, during the building and the construction of this, had some interesting conversations with our contractors, um, you know, because they were like, well, how many vats are you going to have? And we use sort of different equipment than, you know, I think what a, a normal cheddar producer uses. And I think a lot of those guys were familiar with that sort of operation. And... Um, you know, we got where we needed to go with them, but it, we had definitely had some interesting conversations to start with. Oh my God. I wish I could be a fly on the wall for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only imagine you trying to explain really, very eloquently a lot of like almost French te- techniques to them. And they're like, so you're making cheddar, huh? <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> um, sorry. That was just in my brain, the cartoon version of that conversation. But um Someone asked uh, why why I would make so many small cheeses when I could just make one big cheese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they saw all my multi molds and they were like, "Well, why would you make three hundred of those when you could just make one big one?" And then, you know, and I was like, "Well, it's not exact. It doesn't exactly work that way." <laughs> um, <laughs> you're like, "What's this croton business that you're trying to put forward? I don't understand." Um, oh man, I got to visit. Um, this is going to be funny. Um, so I guess, uh, I like to do a segment, which is what's in your fridge. So mm-hmm. what's in your fridge right now? What kind of cheese, what kind of fermented object is happening in your fridge right now? The fridge here at work or the, or my fridge at home? Oh my God. You're this type. I, I love it. Um, you choose the fridge you wish to describe. I'll, I'll let yeah. you go with that. 
the the fridge here just has rennet and antibiotic strips in it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the fridge the fridge at home then. The fridge at home. Go to the fridge at home, please. Um I don't know, I just cleaned it out to be honest with you. There's a lot of vegetables right now. There's a ton of cheese that I got from another cheese friend, Lydia Burns. Um Okay. What 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 kind of cheese is that? I mean, you, you got to you got to spread the wealth here. What did she, she gave me a well a lot of cheese that I would like. Um, <laughs> oh my god. She's teaching um she's teaching cheese classes to uh students at Kendall College, which is a culinary school in Chicago, and she's doing these like um she makes like these tasting kits so she gave me sort of like the ends of uh what she had there but I got some really good um Gabrielle Coulet Roquefort in there mm-hmm. yeah um, Tuata was in there um a really nice Manchego she gave me a lot of sheep's milk cheese knowing that um I have an affinity for that Oh yeah, yeah. From your Meadowood days, that that does make sense. Um, would you ever make a blue cheese? Side note, just curious. Um, yeah, I would say that blue cheese after soft cheese is uh is in my repertoire. Okay. Okay. Cool. No, I I, I know it's uh when you make a lot of different cheeses, it's hard to do a blue as well. So um, that's cool. Uh, We're not. I'm, I'm, oh, what we had plans to make blue cheese. Um, I think right now with the way things are, I sort of put the brakes on that, but, um, you know, the most exciting thing that's happened, um, (laughs) with this pandemic is that honestly, I've had an opportunity to just enjoy the creamery, um, in a way that I don't think I would have if this hadn't happened, it kind of just slowed everything down. Um, you know, I literally had three months in here where I just got to like kind of get used to everything and play around. Um, and I'm starting to really understand my milk and the potential of my milk. And, um, you know, because all milks are not created equal um, and they don't all make the same type of cheese or are even suited towards making certain types of cheese. So I think learning the full potential of my milk is the most exciting thing. And I think a blue cheese will be in our future. Oh, man, that sounds great. Um, Yeah, it's interesting how it did the COVID pandemic, like it did slow everything down. Like you, it sounds like you got a lot of R&D time without a lot of demand pressuring you to to just make cheese. Um, So that's a nice relief um, from what I'm hearing. Um, I guess then overall, over the course of your career, what would you say you're most proud of then? Is this the crowning moment right here? Or, um, was there something else that you're most proud of within your cheese career? Um, this is probably the thing that I'm most proud of. Um, there was literally, well, where I'm sitting right now, there was a barn um, three years ago that had to come down in order for this thing to get built. Um, and every aspect of this place was, um, uh, designed by me. Um, so, I mean, 
I have, I have my, I like to call this my dreamery, um, because it's my dream creamery. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, I like that. Good use of the word dreamery for creamery. (laughs) You are a pun master, my friend. Um, (laughs) so uh, my very last question is, I guess, I mean, it's hard to know right now because you're still at the beginning of this, this beautiful dreamery. Um, but where do you see Blakesville Creamery in the next few years? Um, you've mentioned blue cheese, um, aged cheese, but is there certain awards you'd like to see? Um, Master Cheesemaker one day? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess you probably have a five-year, maybe even a 10-year plan, but um, what, what do you have, foresee in the future? I mean, uh, generally, I'm an optimistic person, and I try to remain positive, even when it seems like the world is, you know, pretty much ending. Um, what I'd like to see is I'd like to build this business. Um, I mean, I'd like to have a nice repertoire of cheeses, but more importantly, I want this to be um, a good place to work. Um, that provides people with a good quality of life um, and a livable wage and or a more than livable wage um, and a place that um, keeps this community in agriculture. Um, That's my hope for this business. Well, great. I hope um, to do a segment in 10 years, you know, a decade of difference (laughs) on you. Uh, but, uh, I just want to say it's been great to have you on the show. I am really looking forward to trying your cheeses. Um, you're a cheesemaker that's been fun to watch. And, and, and now that you have your own dreamery creamery, I, it's just, it's fun. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, whenever we get to leave our spaces and I can see you at a food show next, I, I can't wait to, to talk. And this is, this is great. Congratulations on, on doing this. Thank you. It'll be kind of hard to, uh, I think, get back to the Javits Center, you know, <laughs> considering that it was like going to be a, host- a COVID hospital. Just oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, maybe I'm, I'll see you at ACS. Maybe we'll meet in Iowa. It's kind of the middle. Okay. Um, I hope <laughs> so. I I'm sort of that's the one thing that uh, it's been nice not to have to go to those things a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, um, I do miss, uh, I do miss cheese camp and I miss all the, all my fellow campers. There we go. All right. Well, listeners, you've heard it here, Veronica, Blakesville Creamery, look out for it. Uh, thank you all for listening and, uh, eat more cheese. Cutting the curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.